hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I had one important job around my house. I just had to do one thing, and that one thing, that important job, was to do whatever my parents said. And now that manifested itself in other ways, but I had one job, to do whatever my parents said. So, so it could be something as simple as uh, changing the TV channel. You know, in the early 70s, there was no, I was the remote. If you're wondering, what's the remote? I was the remote. I think we had maybe three or four channels uh, in the Oklahoma City area. Uh, granted, that's a perfect evening was that the rabbit ears were even working, right? And so we would sit and watch TV, and then when it was time to go to that next channel, you know, not a lot of channel surfing, by the way, uh, and, and I'd, I'd have to go do it. So I'd go turn the channel, you know, you have to turn. Some of you know what I'm speaking about. Others of you are clueless. <laughs> but that was back in the day, one job. Uh, another important job around my house was that, uh, it, actually, here's the house I grew up in. It's 24 Philbrook Drive. Uh, one of the most important things was that, that I, I remember that my dad always used the garage for our car. We only had one car, but he took care of it, so we'd always use the garage. And if I were with him and we had been somewhere and we're coming home, well, here we go. It's my job to open the garage door. So I would have to get out of the car and come rain, shine, snow, sleet, tornado warnings, locusts, it didn't matter. You know, I had to get out of the car, raise the garage door, and let the car go into the garage. Some of you remember those days. But I had one job, and that one job was to do whatever my parents told me to do. Uh, we didn't discuss it. There was no debate. I didn't even have to pray about it. When my dad and my mom said, let's go this, let's get this done, let's get the garage door up, voila, I just did what they asked me to do. Jesus is concluding the Sermon on the Mount. And man, we've been in it for a few months. It's an incredible message that we see in Matthew 7. But he's, he's concluding the message with some incredibly challenging words to those who are hearing. Remember, he spent the last couple weeks talking to those false prophets and false professors. And those guys were pretty much pretenders. Now it's like he's turning his attention back to the crowd, back to that original audience that he, he began addressing this message to. And it's his final point, right? He's going to bring the message home, right? He's bringing it to a conclusion. But we must ask, well, what's the meaning of all of this incredible message that he has preached to this crowd? But to do that, we're going to begin looking in Matthew 7. Turn with me there, verses 24 to 27. It's a familiar story. And it's a story that that is, quite, quite frankly, it's, it's pretty simple conceptually to grasp, to get a hold of. Uh, there's not a lot of hidden meaning in the story. It's pretty straightforward. You're probably familiar with the story, but let's read it together. Beginning in verse 24, the scripture says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine, and he does them, he will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Then he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Straightforward, simple story to get our minds around. Now, the house is likely he's speaking about our lives, right? How, how that we can build our lives. And, and in the story, I'm just going to recap it briefly. In the story, there are some similarities between the two builders, right? Some similarities are they heard the words of Jesus. Uh, another similarity that we've seen is that they, they, they both built a house and they both experienced storms, trials, Testing. So there's some similarities in the story, right? We see that with these two builders, but there's also some distinct differences. One of the distinct differences that we see in the story is that there are two different responses to the words of Jesus. Two responses. Not only that, we have two different foundations, one built on a rock, one built on sand. And, and we, we understand that idea. Then we have two different outcomes, right? He talks about uh, the, the one that built on the foundation of the rock, it survived the storm. And, and by the way, life is full of storms. It's full of storms. And I know they catch us off guard. We're not ready for them. Sometimes we respond to things like, I can't believe this is happening. Or this is bad timing. They're always bad timing, right? I've never had a catastrophe in my life and say, boy, it's fantastic timing. I'm so glad this happened right now, right? So we see the distinct differences. We, we, we see one who builds, one who has a different response. There's two different foundations. There's two different outcomes. And, and Jesus speaks about the one who is hearing his words and doing what he says. He doesn't say in the passage, in the story, he doesn't say not everyone who hears and understands or hears and admires these words. He doesn't even say. This is for everyone who hears and believes. He doesn't even say that. It's for everyone who hears and obeys or does. As I think about the passage, I, I think about the element at the end of the story where the crash comes. One survives, one crashes. Now remember, he's speaking about building a life. He's speaking about building a meaningful life, a, a life that will stand the storms, a life that will have value and meaning, a life that has purpose. That's what he's speaking about. Then there's a life that crashes. I don't know about you, but I've never been a part of a crash, and it brought a lot of meaning into my life. I've been in car crashes. I've wrecked my bicycle a few times. I've, I've never crashed a wedding, but anyway, I've seen the stock market crash. It crashes. You think a crash, you think, oh, man, that, those are not the types of things that seem to add a lot of value to us. I mean, they can certainly uh, bring us to a place where we rethink some things. But generally, when Jesus is speaking of a crash, he's speaking about destruction. So you think about the principle of the story. Simple story. Agreed? Straightforward. Not much here. You're like, what's he trying to say? What he's trying to say is we are to build our lives on his word. That's what he's saying. But here's the key thought I want you to think about just for a moment. The key thought being this. It looks as if we get the chance to choose how to build our lives. It, it's like that's what the story is about. We get the chance to choose the foundation upon which we build our lives. Isn't that an amazing thing? I think we're not the victim of the world. We're not victims of culture. 
We have the power through the word of God to build our lives on Jesus as the foundation. So when the storm comes and they will come, we are aware of that, we can withstand those storms. I heard a pastor say a few years ago, and I never was able to forget it. He said, sometimes making the right choice is the most spiritual thing you can do. Sometimes the right godly choice is the most spiritual thing you can do. Well, I'm going to give us some application. All right, I want us to extract some things out of the story and the teaching of Jesus. And I want us to get to the point of the story, which is basically just do it. Do what I tell you to do. And that lands on some of us. We get a little bristly. I can. Nobody's going to tell me how to live my life. That's fine. Somebody informs your decisions. Somebody informs everything that you do at some level. Let's dig in a little deeper here. Let me begin with, with a quote by Dallas Willard. Notice what he says. He says, first, as a disciple, I'm learning to do the things which Jesus explicitly said to do. It's quite literally nonsense to call Jesus Lord and not to do what he said. Lord means nothing in such a case. But because I do accept him as Lord, his instructions on behavior are my treasures for living life. All right, let me give you some, some practical application here. First of all, if you're keeping score, we got to learn to probe the scriptures. We have to learn to probe God's word. What do I mean by that? I mean by that is if Jesus says you build your life up on my words, it just makes sense. We need to know what his words are. Does that not make sense? If, if he tells me to do it, well, I need to know what's he tell me to do. You ever worked for a boss or somebody, somebody's asked you to do something and they're like, just get it done. You're like, what do you want me to do? They're like, I don't know. Just get it done. It's frustrating. Yeah, but you've not told me what to do. I generally can be that boss from time to time. Uh, but you're like, if you'll tell me what to do, just tell me what to do, Right. I'll get it done. That's what when we, when we probe the scriptures, what we're saying is, all right, if Jesus tells me to obey his commands, I need to know what those commands are. Now, we can say, hey, I don't know the commands. I'm not sure what he's asked me to do. And, and we can plead that, right? Say, hey, if I don't know, I'm not responsible. That's one way to approach the conversation. But to know what Jesus told us to do we need to figure out what he said. Dan Spader, Dr. Dan Spader, estimates there are some 400 commands from Jesus in the Gospels alone. That's a lifetime of work. He contends that half of those have to do with disciple making. And so personal exploration, digging into God's word to find out what did Jesus actually tell me to do is so valuable in our lives. Exploration doing some digging, mining out the precepts and the commands of Jesus so I know what he expects out of my life. Now, there are some core things we need to be doing. Certainly, one is repent and believe. It's a command. One is to be baptized. It's a command. One is to pray. One is to give. One is to participate in the Lord's Supper. One is to make disciples. So that'll kind of get us moving in the right direction. Right. Let me just start with some of those things. But as we probe into the scriptures, we begin to see what Jesus calls us to and what he says to us. And we are responsible for that. But we got to explore. We've got to dig. We've got to get into the word and find out what does Jesus actually expect from my life? Probing the scripture. Second application. 
is we need to prepare to hear. We, we, we need to prepare <laughs> to hear. Someone said that one of the most difficult things in the church today is not the work of the devil, it's the inattention of the believers. Like we're not listening. <laughs> we're not listening. So we got to prepare to hear. And I want to talk about the corporate environment, this type of environment. Getting very practical and saying, you know what, when you enter a worship space, whether it's this space or maybe another church you attend, when you enter into that worship space, arrive early, get your mind and your spirit ready. Get ready. Be ready. Arrive ready. From time to time, we have a, a, a gentleman who attends our church and uh, he, he plays on a worship team from time to time. But once the worship team finishes their run throughs on Sunday, you'll generally find him somewhere in the room just getting prayerfully dialed in. He'll be sitting by himself. He doesn't want to chat. He wants to just prayerfully get ready to receive what God has for him. So think about that, right? Think about that. We want to arrive early. We want to be ready. God's about to speak to me. I want to be ready. I want to move things out of my mind. I want to be prayed up. I want to be submitted. I want to be in a posture of obedience to what God's going to tell me to do. And I want to engage in the worship. Worship helps open up my heart and my mind to the things and the word of God. It, it helps open up. It puts me in a place where I'm ready to receive. It puts me in a place where of right mindedness, where God is working in my life. And now I begin to, as I worship, I'm ready to receive what God has for me. We're just not singing a bunch of songs. We are worshiping the living God. And as we worship, he begins to work in our lives and we begin to prioritize who he is and honor him and glorify him. Now we're getting ready. We're preparing the soil to receive the word. I'm convinced that the parable of the sower is not about the sower. It's about the soil. It's the soil that needs to be prepared. So I encourage you, come into the room if you can. Be a little early. Get your coffee. Do your thing. Slip in. Just take a few minutes and say, okay, Lord, I want to be prayerfully ready. Another thing is, is it's okay to journal, to write messages down. I, I try to do that. When the other guys are speaking, I always try to take a note or two or three. It helps me to hear, right? Get a spiritual journal. Use your phone. Take notes. Stay engaged. I got to be ready to hear. I got to be ready to listen. And I do that by being prepared when we gather together corporately in the body of Christ. Several years ago, there was a family that attended our church. They've since moved out of state. But this gentleman, every time I spoke, I'm not sure about the other, uh, the other speakers, but every time I spoke, usually Monday or Tuesday, he sent me a long email. He recapped the whole message, the whole message. He's like, now you said this, and here's what I thought about that, and there's a scripture that can go with that. You know what I thought about that? I'm like, I think somebody might be listening. You know, that's a whole different thing, man, right? If you're, peeps, you're speaking and someone's paying attention, and I, I just love those emails. He just recap it and summarize it and write it out and point it out and bullet point it out, never added any pictures, but you know what I'm saying. He was so dialed in, man. He was just sending that to me. Now, you don't have to go to that degree unless the Lord tells you to, but be engaged, right? Bring a notebook, bring a pen. Write in, your, write in your Bible, whatever device you're using, use it. 
be prepared to hear from the Lord, man. If you're not ready to hear from the Lord, He may not be going to download some stuff to you He's trying to speak to you about. Be ready to receive it. Last practical application is this. Practice the precepts. We're talking about practice. Practice. That simply means do what He says. Do what He says. Practice the precepts. You know, the Lord will likely never take us any further past our last step of obedience. You, you may not be going any further until you take the next step. Let me break this down into, into two simple conversations. One is what we call orderly obedience. Orderly obedience. What's that? That's, that's obedience that, that we've prayed about, we've planned for. Uh, we, we're intentionally thinking that out of an act of obedience, kingdom fruit can come from that. It's, it's highly ordered. Highly ordered, planned, prepped, prayed for, ordered obedience. Then there's organic obedience, right? That's a little more spontaneous. That's a little more, hey, the Spirit spoke to me when, when, when that happened. And, and it, it's highly spontaneous and it's, it's Spirit-led. It's kind of in-the-moment obedience. These are those daily, I'm in-the-moment obedient where the Lord speaks to me, the Spirit speaks and says, pray for them, witness to them, talk to them, do this to them. Just, just a minute ago, uh, my son was sharing, he played golf today with uh, just some people he'd never met, and it was like a divine appointment. He's inviting them, you know, to church. It's kind of that organic, there's that type of obedience too, right? There's that type of obedience. Like, I like it ordered. I do as well, but sometimes. The Lord will speak and say, witness to them, give to them, pray for them, encourage to them, listen to them. That's organic obedience. And you know when the Lord speaks to you. You know when the Lord says, do it, say it, give it. You know. So there's two types, ordered and organic. Let me give you an example. In Luke chapter 638, Jesus says, give and it will be given unto you. It's a present imperative. There's one of the commands, right? Give. Given it will be given unto you. It's a command from the, from the lips of Jesus. Well, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, Jesus says this, When you give to the needy. So we have the command is to what? Give. You can say it. Give. You're, you're going to be fine. <laughs> you're going you're to be fine. Like Fonzie had a hard time saying, I'm sorry. You can say give. It's okay. We know that's one of the commands of Jesus. We see that in the, in the gospel of Luke. So let me illustrate this. So let's say ordered obedience in regard to giving to the needy, which Jesus commands us to do. You say, Pastor, I give to my local church or I give here to Discovery Point. I give tithes and offerings here. And it's my understanding, Pastor, that in our budget, we have specific areas of serving the needy in our community and around the world. Yes, we do. So when you give here, when you invest into this church or maybe a church that you attend, there's likely something in that missions or benevolence budget, as you give, the church will use a portion of that to serve the needs of the community or the world. Make sense? That's ordered obedience. But suppose that you, you have that ordered obedience and you give to this church, this is your church home, and you showed up tonight, and as you walked in, you thought, what's this display? What's this food? Oh, it's the Valley View Food Bank. Huh, I didn't know we were doing that, but... I could do that. Jesus tells me to support, to give to the needy. That's, that's the organic piece. Do you see it? You walked in, you picked up your cookie, you got your coffee, and you're like, well, what's this? 
It's the chance to organically obey Christ in the discipline of giving. So there's ordered giving and there's organic, give, organic obedience. Those two often run together. As we conclude, I'll just say this, that the litmus test of our love is obedience to the commands of Jesus. John 14, 15, Jesus says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Man, look at this. Just look. Look at those words. First class conditional sentence. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Erwin McManus says this, that God isn't looking for our extraordinary talent, but rather our fearless obedience. Wherever you are in this journey of faith, maybe you're not a believer, and that's okay. We are honored you're with us. But the first command, I believe, from the life of Jesus is repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe. If you've never done that, he he tells you to do it. You're like, yeah, I'm not into people telling me what to do. I understand. But the promise is you get a life that's built on a foundation. When the storm comes, when life begins to fall apart, you may not, you will not, if you're built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. If you're already a believer, what's your next step? Maybe, maybe it is baptism. Maybe it is baptism. Maybe it is forgiving someone. Maybe it is giving Maybe it's praying. I don't know what God's going to tell you to do. I'm not sure what the next step of obedience is for you. But it's likely you will never progress beyond where you are now until you take the next step of obedience. Let me ask you, what are you building your life on? What's the foundation? It's that stuff we don't see, right? You never see the foundation of a house once that baby goes up. But yet we know it's the most important thing about the structure is what we can't even see. What are you building your life on? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray as we close our time that your spirit just moves among us this evening, that you convict us, you, you, you exhort us, you encourage us. Father, to probe the scriptures, to begin understanding what did Jesus actually tell me to do? What, what's the next step? of building my house on this foundation who is the rock, which is Christ himself exemplified in obedience to his words. Father, as we probe the scriptures, help us to prepare to hear in, in, in environments like this, but also daily, let us listen for the voice of the Spirit. Then, Father, help us to be people who actually do what you tell us to do. Don't make excuses. We don't put it off, but we actually step into the moment that you invite us into to obey you. Sometimes it's ordered, sometimes it's organic. So I pray for everybody in the room. We pray that you give us your grace and strength. We give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.